The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Habs and Minded. It's Patrick Bexel, and I'm joined by Anton Rossgord once more. Anton, exciting news. new new city, new country coming up in August. Well, you know, it's it's just like my um, my thing of like never stopping. Um, it's just since I can work from my computer, it's just like why why not, you know, get to know a new country, a new city, and a new language if I have the possibility. So uh, yeah, uh, I would just, you know, make my... Around make the world my... in 80 years. That's what uh, Anton is going for. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Why not? Like, I mean, I, I just remember, like, spending, for example, three and a half months in Montreal during, when I was 23. And I remember so much from it and I learned so much from it. If you can spend, like, three months in another country, another culture, you can get so much both language skills and, and people skills and everything. So it will be, uh, it will be fascinating to, to see a new place once again indeed and we're here to speak about the uh, um, player of the month for uh, March mm. and uh, we're starting off with a bang a little bit of a surprise Frederick Dijon is not taking the sweep this season when it comes to uh, player of the month in Europe he is got that just every- because you got bored Patrick <laughs> no it's not actually uh, I think uh, and I mentioned this in the article as well that I don't think Disha nor Kuchansta has been stable. They've been a little bit uneven, uh, fatigued. Uh, it's not a surprise, really. Kuchansta has outperformed everyone but Max Strömberg's prediction this year. He had them in the playoffs, and, and they made the playoffs. Uh, fantastic by Max, and no one knows Kuchansta better than him. And, and he is the only one in Sweden that I think is right in, in his uh, expectations on the team. Uh but I, I think you saw it the whole of March and when Dishao came back from from the Olympics, fatigued, traveled, weary, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And and the team in front of him as well. They, they started to go on their knees. They they, they worked so hard. You they they're about to play in about forty five minutes and with what might be the last game of the season. And uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if they can hold Modo to, to another game. But my expectations is that Modo will go through. And uh, either way, Dishao has earned his contract with, with an SHL club next year, that's for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I wasn't bored. Uh, he, he has been good, but he hasn't been that otherworldly that, that he has been earlier this year or, or this season. Uh, Kapanen, though, he's, he's gone the other way. And we mentioned him, I think, last month on the on the pod, on the same podcast, that he's been to Carpet, he's been somewhere else, and he's been around the block a little bit. Now, when the under-20 playoff started, he has four goals in five games. He's been an integrated part of, of Kalpa that has gone through 
uh, winning the first series two to one, winning the second series uh, two nil, and and going into the final a little bit like a favorite actually from what I've seen and and I haven't really seen the games. I've I've seen some highlights and I've seen uh, the combined scores. Uh, but yeah, I think Kapanen and it's good to see it because we're expecting him to play well for Finland in the World Juniors that will come up this summer. That is a little bit weird, but but still it's there. And uh, he's had sort of the same kind of role when it comes to, to his performance with Kalpa now. He's been defensively secure and uh, played every situation be it when they're six against five or five against six, be it when on power play or on the box play. Um, and, and that is the kind of player that I think he will turn into. He has a wicked shot. I'm not just sure of when he's about to use it, if he's sure about when to use it even. Um, I was thinking about a comparison and it's obviously because we all love him, but you know, if he can turn into a Plekanec light, I can see that happening and that wouldn't be a bad you know comparison and it wouldn't be a bad outcome either getting a similar kind of player as Plekanec for the third line I think that's a you know if you grab that in the second round you're 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 very happy with your choice but you see uh, Oliver Kapanen as a player with a potential NHL future he he, he has the potential mm-hmm. uh, he has the hockey IQ he still has to work on his skating. He has to work on taking the shots at the right time and from the right areas. Mm. But defensively, yes, for sure. And and mm. I think you saw that in the World Juniors where he was centering the second line and taking that deep responsibility that freed up the third line with, with uh, Brad Lampert, really, and, and, and giving them the chance to shine. So he took a bullet for, for the team in order to to make the team better. And that's the kind of player you want on those third and fourth line roles. And, and yeah, I, I wouldn't surprise, it wouldn't surprise me if he comes into to the NHL. Uh, I'm more confident. I mean, like, I think, I think he has a more solid chance of making the NHL, but I know you and I have a bet when it comes to Heinemann. Mm-hmm. And I think Heinemann is more of a boom or boom bust. Or bust. Yeah. Whereas Kapanen is probably... He's going to make it. Not sure how many games he'll get, but he's going to make it. He sounds like a responsible young man. Indeed. And uh, uh, in some ways, I see him more, even if he plays center, as a comparison to Lekkonen than I see Heinemann being compared to Lekkonen, which mm. I know quite a few have said, and I don't agree with that at all. But, I mean, it's good to disagree because if you listen to the to the ones that you're disagreeing with, you learn something and you just maybe look for it and, and you can see that, you know, their point of view. And, and I think it's good to have a discussion. I always, I always embrace that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just my opinion from, from now. Uh, moving on though, um, we're going to get a short little uh, click here because we're going to listen to Hardy, who's uh, Take, is speaking a short little bit about the two players that he's picked for the CHL and the NCAA award for this month. So my CHL player of the month would be Joshua Hua. Uh, Hua earned himself an entry-level contract uh, a couple of days ago. And in the month of March, he had 21 points in 14 games. 
uh, did not slow down. Well, he slowed down a tiny bit, which is surprising because 21 ports in 14 games is a very good amount of production. Uh, but surprisingly, that's actually a drop-off from his previous month. Um, so he's the easy choice in that sense. Uh, and then on the NCAA side, I went for Sean Farrell, who, although he just played uh, seven games in the month of March, um, he scored seven points. And um, I don't think anyone was really at his level uh, during those NCAA playoffs uh, in terms of Habs prospects. Um, Biondi was a bit close. I thought Red Pitlick had a good couple games, but at the end of the day, Sean Farrell is a runaway in that sense. So, uh, yeah, Joshua Roy and Sean Farrell uh, on the North American prospect side. And there you have it. Great to have a um, guest coming on the pod, if only for a minute. Um, do you agree with his assessment, Anton? Yeah, it feels pretty straightforward. I agree with his um, with the way that he's thought as well. Um, for example, if we do we want to start with Sean Farrell or Joshua? Yeah, Roy? let's go with Sean Farrell. It's... Yeah, like if we if we look at Sean Farrell, he's been pretty straightforward, just as being the main man in the NCAA this season. You can you can make an argument for for a senior. Brett Stapley has had a good year with Denver and and. Um, Blake Biondi has come come to his own uh, as as a sophomore at Minnesota Duluth, but but Sean Farrell came in after having a stellar season with Chicago Steel in the USHL. Just because of the COVID pandemic, he had to stay an extra year in the USHL, and he really kind of like Caulfield esque the way that Caulfield worked on his game in uh, Wisconsin during his second season. It felt the same way with Sean Farrell during his last season in the USHL. You, he was just too good at the stuff that he was already good at so he could work at his overall game and improve some of his you know deficiencies and obviously he's uh, also like Caulfield he's a bit on, sh on the shorter side uh, but he's so smart Sean Farrell and you know he he continues to look like a player with a bright future who was only overlooked because of what we said his lack of size and the fact that he fell all the way to the fourth round and we can also see that even the canadians you know picked uh high school sensations jack smith and blake beyond ahead of him in the fourth round so he was really the third pick in the third in the fourth round and just a in, lot, some, in lot. some ways the 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 only support we had <laughs> with, with that pick was was called cowfield saying this is Steel. a great pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and who would know better because they played together in the U.S. National Development Program. And it was also like before that draft, Sean Farrell was supposed to go. He, he was estimated to go like in the th in the second round, but fell way further. And uh, the Canadians were able to snag him. And and kind of like we will, you know, talk about when we get to Joshua Roy here in a minute. Like the fact that they dropped is just like. The, the talent was always there, but there were a few question marks that probably made teams, you know, scratch their heads a bit too much. And you sometimes, mean size? You know, yeah, exactly. With Sean Farrell, it was it was size. It was just like, can, can he actually do it against bigger, you know, tougher opponents? Apparently, and and you know, uh, it's it looked not, that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We we can't say that every guy who's like five seven, five eight, five nine will start, you know, taking over the league. Obviously, the NHL won't work like this. There will always be a Joel Edmondson and a Ben Chirot there to, you know, tackle the living sense out of these small guys. But you can come a long way in this modern day NHL with, you know, hockey sense, hockey IQ, um, you know, uh, being being responsible, you know, 200 foot player. You don't have to be overly physical if you just like 
outthinks other players, but you have to be really good at, you know, your main main skills. In in Farrell's in Farrell's case, is his playmaking skills. In Caulfield's sense, for example, it's his you know goal scoring. Um, you have to have an elite trait. Alex Debrinkat is another example, but. Man, it's going to be fascinating to follow Sean Farrell. It will be fascinating as well to see if he stays with Harvard or what ends up happening. I expect him to go and have like, uh, you know, do preseason in Montreal. And it'll be fun to see how he stacks up with the other guys who who are coming along because there are so many interesting young players coming through the Canadian system with all of these like 30, 40 draft picks that they've had in the last few years. And many of them being still under contract, well, potentially under contract for, for a few more seasons being in Europe or the NCAA. Indeed. And uh, I, we, we have to move on to the next player who just signed a contract even. Yeah. Uh, did you see the Did you see the image of him on Twitter when he signed the contract, wearing you know a, a a hat and everything? He looked so suave. No, I didn't actually. I, I posted it right just now in the uh, in the main chat here. But if if you haven't seen it, listeners, just go check Joshua Roy. Like that's a that's a confident young man right there. Well, I don't see it yet. Oh, there you have it. Yeah, 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 yeah. With the fedora. Yeah, that's yeah. Great. Yeah, um, no, it's it's. Uh, I think it's it's well deserved, and I have to bow to uh, my uh, better uh, friends in in the chat, and and that you probably listen to as well. And that's Matt Drake, who's been uh, touting uh, Joshua Roy for yeah almost the whole season. Yeah, he's been drooling when he's been talking about Roy. Really- if, if, if we can even see it in a chat that he's been drooling, that's how bad it is. Yeah. But <laughs> or. Or how good Roy is, depending on how you see it. Uh, but but yeah, it's it it wasn't really a surprise that he got that contract, and uh, it has been expected. It would be very interesting to see how he develops. And and Matt says that he can push for a roster spot next year. Mm-hmm. I'm not as convinced, but but he will be one of the last. He he will fight for one of the last places. And we also have to congratulate him both for his entry-level contract and also for right now in the last couple of days, he actually eclipsed the franchise record uh, in points that was, yeah, I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was an old record, so it hasn't been there for a long time. Felix Robert had 92 points in, in the season 19-20, and now Joshua Roy this season has 94. So it'll be fun to see if he can push it up to, to three digits. But um, There are a few games to go, so... Yeah, there is exactly. a there is a chance to, to do that. Uh, looking forward though, but uh, no, uh, yeah. Was, yeah, exactly. I was just gonna say like Joshua Roy, he fell in the draft to the fifth round, and it was mainly there were talk there were talks about like his lack of effort and you know that he wasn't quite in uh, as in shape as he probably should have been. Uh, but you know since he moved on from St John and and was set into a better a better role and a better it was a better fit for him being in Sherbrooke and man has it paid off this season 94 points in 51 games 37 of them goals indeed and um i'm trying to find it maybe you're you're better at it uh but yeah he was he was mid-ranked in the top 25 under 25 if i remember correctly yeah we had him in the top 25 he was 21 22 or something yeah something like that and uh, well there were 41 players to to rank so more or less mid 
Um, he's pro- he's he's gonna climb quite a bit this year, that's for sure. Are and sure? not only because players are leaving, but also because of a fantastic season. Uh, another player that has stood out a little bit is is or quite a bit actually is uh, Rafael Avi Pinard, and I'm sorry for butchering his French name. I'm, no, that uh, wasn't I did, too bad. I, I, I did my best. Yeah, that wasn't uh, too bad. Fantastic season as well with the AHL, and and uh, he will also be looking into to grabbing one of the roster spots for next year's Montreal Canadian. Yeah, and speaking of shorter players making an impact, he's five nine. Um, you know, passed up in two different drafts be- before Montreal snagged him in his in his draft plus two year in 2019 as as you know pick 201, and you know to go undrafted in two drafts and then get drafted in the seventh round and then come one along of the to- last picks because I think it's 100 it's 216 players or something like exactly that, right? exactly so like. It was basically, you know, a lottery ticket thrown in there. But he had impressed in in uh, Juan Nuranda Askis, and then he impressed again in Chikutimi when he was an overager. He deserved his contract with uh, with Laval, and you know, really has taken his chance. He's already made his NHL debut and has scored for the first time in in the three games he was up with the main team and. Yeah, 39 points this season. He had 20 in a shortened season last year. Um, I am sure that just considering like Alvi Pinal is a guy that can play anywhere in the lineup. I mean, he's not a guy that you necessarily need to have on a fourth line or need to have on a first line. Like he he can fill in wherever you need him to. And he's shown that in Laval. And and that's also why, as you said, I also think he can push for a spot next year in, in, in the you know, in the, for the Montreal Canadiens, he's 22 already, so he's he's not getting up there in age. But like we still call Jake Evans a young player, and he's 26. So we've seen that you know some people can need a little bit more seasoning in the AHL, but he's played really well this season for Laval, and also another player to uh, to look forward to uh, what he can do when when he get more opportunities and and gets used to the higher tempo of the NHL once, yeah, in the future. Uh, indeed, and um, I'm always pushing for this article somehow, uh, and so I will do it again. And and it's in regard to the fact that uh, you you need to keep these younger players around for as long as possible because they have different version or different ways of development, and some take longer, some take uh, shorter time, and you can't really call someone that is a 22 a failure. Uh, no. First and foremost, they they can um, they can go abroad or they can stay in AHL for longer and and develop that way. And it's the article from the Guardian, and I think it's from yeah, it's, it's a couple of years old now. Yeah, it's from 2015, and it's it's called. I'll, I'll link it in, in in the article as well. And um, it's the making of an old black and how New Zealand sustains its rugby dynasty. And New Zealand is arguably one of the top three teams in in the world in in rugby. Uh, with a population of 4.2 million people. There are more sheep on New Zealand than there are people. Uh, But when you look at it from, from, they really go, you can never let anyone of these 4.2 people stop playing rugby because you're going to need a late bloomer, even if they just come in and play 10 games for the national team. It's been a worthwhile investment. And I think that is, you know, a, a really good way of looking at it 
even for NHL players. You need to have these guys around, like Jake Evans, like uh, Avi Pinard, like uh, Oa, like uh, like Farrell as well. And you know, you you see these guys coming in later, and and maybe well, some of them of these guys I just mentioned will not come in later, but mm. but but it's it, it's smart to have them around, making sure they progress, and then actually turns into NHLers later. But mm. but at least you haven't lost the plot or, or lost them for nothing. Yeah, also, like, I mean, these years are the first years that we're seeing proper asset management with the AHL team and now having a team in Trois-Rivières as well. Um, so we're seeing actually that there is, you know, there is a pattern for how they want to develop young players and what, you know, a great send-off, at least from Marc Bergevin's tenure with Trevor Timmons and everything was that they had a lot of draft picks um, during the last three, four or five years. And, you know, we're starting to see the results of that. Now we have Alexander Romanov already playing, you know, as a, one of the few pillars on the blue line, who is actually available every night in and night out. And we see, you know, even if Caden Primo hasn't made the best impact on the NHL level yet, he's a quality AHL goaltender at the age of 22. And, Obviously, Cole Caulfield and, you know, Nick Suzuki wasn't a draft pick, but, you know, he was, you know, also a part of the asset management part. And now we're seeing, like, we're seeing all these young players coming into Laval and, you know, some of them will succeed and some of them will, you know, move on. Um, But still, you know, better to have, like, a lot of lottery tickets and they can just pick and choose who actually develop according to your path. Like, we've talked about Jacob Olofsson, bunch of times on this podcast and obviously you had three picks in the second round um in 2018 and now alexander romanov and jesse illon are are already playing with the nhl team in in montreal while jacob olson is struggling to maintain his spot in the in the shl and and that's what happens but if, if you can manage to hit on two out of three picks that's great value Indeed, and and uh, I know other teams in in SHL say if you can bring up two juniors a year, that's a good year. You you, yeah. you sort of you have to be between one and a half and two every year, and and something like that should come out of Laval as well for for obvious reasons. If you and and I think you start to see that, and that was something that we did start to see even from underneath Bergevin. He, he gets yeah. a lot of stick for for other things, but. But he started this building process, bringing in Laval to 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 a closer relationship with mm. Montreal, and and fair play to that. Also, um, make, it makes it much easier for like this intended rebuild, reset, whatever you want to call it, with Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes, because like the ground foundation is already set. Like the team has been building towards this for for a few years now, uh, with a former reset. So. There are a lot of guys who are like, that's also the reason why they wanted to trade for these guys like Justin Barron, Trice Milanic, Emil Heinemann, like because they are already 20, 21 years old. So they can go in and actually play a part either in Laval or in Montreal, not only going for draft picks for the future in, in you know, these upcoming drafts. Looking though, you, you already mentioned the last two on this podcast and that's yeah. <laughs> the honorable mention, Cole Carfield, um, for obvious reasons. Uh, I don't know what to say about him anymore because I'm at lost the words. Boy wonder. Uh, I only want. I only. I would have loved to see him get the chance to play this way from the start of the season because then the Calder Trophy uh, would already be able to be handed out. Now 
I might still be in the running to 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 win a small bet on it because I mm. still have more cider to to win it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, but but yeah, it's 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 fantastic to see he plays with the confidence that has been lost or had been lost. Uh, he he has gelled a lot, and and we saw that already last year. But he's gelled even more with Nick Suzuki, uh, mm. who's obviously is the player of the month. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's it's great to see two such young players gel and and be able to go forward together uh, and and be the foundation or, or the first couple of stones to a foundation for the future of Montreal Canadiens. Exactly. Uh, like we can imagine these two with, will be intertwined for a long time. Um, like, you know, a Nick Beckstrom and, and Alex Ovechkin kind of relationship. And the fact that also like, you know, tipping my hat a little bit to Bergevin before he he was rightfully fired, um, signing Nick Suzuki to a long-term deal before, um, because like it could have been more difficult coming into, you know, these months and the way the season has been going and, you know, Suzuki has still played really well, but, you know, just getting him tied down for the future, it probably will make it easier also to tie down Caulfield because he knows that he will have his center um you know lockdown and and that they will play they already play well together imagine what they will do when they have a proper structure around them and the canadians aren't such a shit overall team that they've been this season and yeah cole caulfield right now has 14 goals if he had had proper structure around him proper management from and from the coaching staff from the start of the season who knows where we would have ended up I remember like someone was um, sharing the tweet that he had just eclipsed 82 games. So full season uh, with the Montreal team, uh, con- you know, if you add the playoffs in and uh, in total, he has 50 points in 83 games uh, as of April 1st. And if you just had that over a full season as a rookie, that's pretty darn impressive. It is, it's it's fantastic, and it's uh, something to to really that that will really benefit Montreal uh, for the future, and and something for for the current uh, regime to to build on really, mm. and and most likely, as we heard Tyler Toffoli say, these youngsters they will bring in players because people want to play with them as well. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, we've complained about that in the past as well, that Montreal has lacked of, you know, a first line center. They've lacked a, a top goal scorer. And, you know, we still see the problems with that on the power play that they haven't really yelled something like Montreal has had problems with the power play for a number of years. But, you know, having that kind of foundation, like, yeah. The, it it makes it so much easier, as you say, to attract players, especially to a market in Quebec that is known as being, you know, hard on players, um, also hard with, with the tax, with the tax code and everything. So like just having, you know, a young centerman and a young sniper um, that you can build around uh, that I think will help a lot when it comes to free agency and, and future signings and everything. And we mentioned just before we started recording this pod that there are t- Alexander Romano was one of the guys that was mentioned in the chat mm-hmm. uh, as potential player of the month or honorable mention of the month. Uh, Jake Allen was another, but you had a third. Yeah, like uh, 
I can just say that about Jake Allen as well. He only played seven games in March. Otherwise, like he, he's been stellar when he's played, even if the Canadians still let in a lot of goals, that's not due to him. Um, so he's he's been excellent when he's been playing, even if he has let in three or four goals a night. Um, Chris Weidman as well deserves an honorable mention because like no one had any expectations on him coming into the season. He had played well in the KHL, but was, you know, he had had a Cody Curran-like role in the NHL. Uh, well, Cody Curran wasn't even on the NHL map before he succeeded in Sweden. But Chris Weidman had been, you know, bouncing between the NHL and AHL before he went to the KHL. And for the first time in his career as an offensive defenseman, he has now eclipsed uh, 20 points in a season. And before last night's uh, debacle against a very good team in Carolina, they... He had five points in the last four games, and uh, that's exactly what you want to see of, uh, you know, an offensive defenseman playing his part, uh, you know, on the second or third pairing, but just showing that he actually belongs in the league, kind of like an Andrew Hammond. Um, it's nice for him, even if his future maybe not is in Montreal, especially not with Montreal getting in, getting Justin Barron and Jordan Harris um, into the lineup, but uh, still, you know. Kudos to Chris Weidman for performing well in, in very tough circumstances. You've been listening to Absent Minded. You've been listening to Anton Rossegord and Patrick Bexel. We're super excited to bring you into this season. I'm sure you'll hear a lot of us with the prospects and the top 25, 125 coming up and obviously the draft between that. But uh, um, let's just finish this off and, and thank you guys so much for listening we had a new record for for the pod last month we're super stoked with that and it gives us after maybe a, a little bit of a down season uh, some some fantastic motivation to go into the off season that is coming sooner rather than later this year and uh, we look forward to be part of that off season with you 